what other group do you know of women? Women who get along for 60 years. I mean, honestly. <laughs> there ain't no posture in here or nothing like that. We just get along. We just love our Jesus. We do, we do. We do. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you, Rochelle. The music totally reflected, of course, our message today. You always have a wonderful way of praying your way to, to that spot. Um, so just a quick prayer for me. <laughs> Dearest Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. We just thank you so much for this, um, your word, Lord, and your truth and your kindness and your goodness, Lord. And we just thank you so much that you've invited us to be part of that as your children. Thank you for all the ladies here. And uh, I just pray that you would guide my thoughts and um, just whatever comes out, Lord, I pray that it, it is true and it is yours. Um, and that if it's any conflict there, Lord, that you would erase it. I just thank you so very much for the ladies that are, have joined us um, on Zoom and um, here in, in person. In Jesus' name, amen. So I got a lot of notes here I want to get through today, but the more important than getting through the notes is that God speaks to our heart. I'm just so very thankful for the ladies here and how, how open you are to God's word. Um, you know, I rarely look down and see anybody distracted. Y'all are all so attentive. And afterwards, there's always so many notes that you guys are able to share with each other. And that's why we're here to get this, this good infusion of God's word to get us through the week. Until next Thursday. And you guys have next Thursday off, so you need a double dose today, all right? We all do. So we've been going through the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, um, kindness, uh, faithfulness. What did I miss there? Goodness. Goodness, faithfulness. Uh, let's do it again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There we go. So our goal this year was to learn to bear this fruit that God, God asked of us. And um, to, to be able to do that, we have to be connected to the vine that is Jesus Christ. We don't have any goodness in us. If, in case anybody wondered what the answer to the question is, am I good enough? The answer is no. And we're not, we're not, God says in his word that there's not one righteous, not one. And uh, so that's what he says about us. And he also says, if you read in Romans, that we have hard hearts. And if we keep that hard heart, it only gets harder and we end up in, in God's judgment. But if we, if God calls us and we hear that call, then we, that goodness of God draws us to repentance. So I encourage you this month or this couple of weeks while we're off to spend some time reading Romans, you'd be like, wow, if I, you know, you'll think that uh, Paul was alive during our time. There's really a lot of answers to what's going on. If you just read through Romans, how things are a little topsy turvy. So, um, you know, the, okay. So let's just go to what comes first. God is good, right? And so good is kind of a basic word, isn't it? It's not a hard word. Sometimes we have to work a little bit to understand the words, but good is pretty basic, kind, benevolent. And God is that. He's absolute good. He's absolute <coughs> kindness. All the way from creation to revelation, God is good and into eternity. In Psalm 25a, it tells us, good and upright is God. 
<clears throat> is the Lord. In First Chronicles 16, 34, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So his goodness is something we should be thankful for. It's not going to change. It's not going to go away. It's eternal. It, endure, it endures forever. What I love about the goodness of God is it gives us hope. That goodness is where our hope is found. Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost hope unless I had believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to talk about goodness today. What, what, what God calls us to in the way of good works. What happens when we just get confused and we, we're not sure that God is good. So we're going to kind of make a little journey this morning on the study of good. And in Psalm 34, 8, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit of Psalm 34 if you want to turn with me. Or you can just listen. Can everybody hear now? You guys are good. If you just don't know where to start in your Bible, you can read a proverb today and read a couple of Psalms a day. Psalm 34, <laughs> 1 through 8. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. As you're reading through the Bible this next month, just look for that word good. It reveals a lot about our God. God is perfect good, and we are total sinners. Where do we come together? Well, of course, we have to be children of God in order to experience that goodness of God. And that comes with um, salvation with believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. God says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. God offered his son as the um, payment for our sins. He takes on that whole debt. All we have to do is believe and we become his children. And out of that then comes good works. There is no amount of good works that we can do before we're believers that'll earn us a place in his kingdom. Man's righteousness doesn't even touch God's goodness. We can't get there by ourselves. And as children of God, we have to be confessing our sin and staying in fellowship. You know, we can't expect good fruit and good produce, right? If we're, if we're sinning, it negates that. So it's a big calling. God tells us we have to circumcise our heart to get that sin off of it, make a heart that's pure and soft and moldable. And I see that in you guys. I see so many of you come in and I, you've heard the word, You've learned something either in church or here, or you went home and, and you saw it work. You know, you guys really understand how much God's word softens our heart. You know, sometimes from up here, I see a lot in your faces. Don't hide from me. <laughs> but, you know, I've had the hardest lady I ever had came in and she, she turned her back to me intentionally, you know, in the round tables. And, and then she would just turn around and glare at me whenever she, whenever I said something. And then she turned back around. But it was really hard because I could see what was in her heart and she was really struggling. And um, I don't know if she, you know, she doesn't come anymore. I don't know whatever happened to her, but she was very, very angry. So it was very hard for her to, uh, to, to take in God's word. We have to get to a place of forgiveness and a place of softening so we can take in God's word. Um, and we have to crucify the flesh where it's not about me, it's about him. Do I love myself more and what I want or do I want what God wants? And his idea of works, ladies, is a whole lot different than ours. 
let's go through a little bit of what um, God says about um, good as opposed to what the world says about good. And not just the world. When we say the world, it's not like all of them. That's a Pharisee, that's a Pharisee not all of them. It's all of us. What's in our heart? Well, wickedness is in our heart. So let's look and see the natural man's heart without the word. Um, well, our righteousness and our goodness can be kind of relative, very relative. If we don't have God, we get to make up what's good and what's right. And we see that in our world today a lot, don't we? All about my truth, what I believe, and don't step in that. We have no place in speaking to me. I'm going to pick my own truth. I knew a young man in high school, and he would tell me, oh, Jennifer, I'm just, I just, I'm just as righteous as possible. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm righteous as possible. I don't get very far. <laughs> How about you? Without the Holy Spirit, man, I'm a wreck. And we make up what we think is good. You know, you think about um, one of the first stories of that in the Bible is the story of Cain and Abel. And um, Cain and Abel were the first children of um, Adam and Eve. And they both brought a sacrifice to God. Abel's was an animal sacrifice. And Cain's was produce from his garden. He was a farmer. And God rejected Cain's, but he accepted Abel's. Now, I really thought, I, I did some reading up on the story, and I really thought it was more clear about why that is, but we can only assume um, from the rest of the Bible, the only thing that really covers sin is the shed blood, like the shed blood of Christ. So that was always a picture in the Old Testament, the dead animals, the sacrifice of animals, was a picture of how Christ was going to pay for their sins later. So Cain comes in and says, well, I don't have a sheep, but here, have some of my fruit and vegetables. And God's like, that's not acceptable. And that's like us, you know, we're like, well, I've got, I don't want to give you this part of my life. You know, I, I kind of enjoyed this over here, but I'll give you this over here. I'm not going to give you all of it. And you can also think about like with our kids, you know, you tell them to go make their bed and they come back and they brought you some beautiful flowers. But what are they supposed to be doing? Making the bed. So, you know, they, it's a good thing, right? But it's not the good thing that I asked for. There's no obedience in it. So that's kind of a example and god's goodness is eternal has eternal value and ours has temporal value so you know there are a lot of good things in the world you know good foundations good things to raise money for good good acts but that's all they are and the reward is only temporal if it's not connected to to god's work and not and he doesn't get the glory for it but when we do things as believers, we should make sure that what we're doing is based on our love for God, not on our desire just to do good and be good people. Does that make sense to you? It's, it's a little bit hard of a concept. And I think we all tend to slip back into that idea of, you know, oh, I'm a good person. And I think the longer we're believers, sometimes we can kind of forget and think we are good people. You know, we have to be reminded sometimes I'm, you know, I'm, I'm capable. I'm, I'm part of the world, too. You know, without him, my righteousness doesn't count for anything. So it's relative. It's also twisted. You know, Isaiah 520 talks about a world where good is the people saw good as evil and evil is good. Does that sound familiar right now? Things that are bitter are sweet and things that are sweet are bitter is what he says. I saw um, part of an article yesterday. I was and it kind of dawned on me this morning. It was kind of feeds into this idea of um, being turned around. There's a young actress she was a star on Full House for a lot of years. Everybody remembers Full House, right? And now she works for Hallmark. And Hallmark started doing shows that are don't honor marriage as far as a man and a woman, right? And so there's another um, production company, can't remember the name of it, and she decided she was going to work over them with them because they, they do honor that and they're going to stay there with traditional marriage. 
And she has just been absolutely peeled apart on, on media. And um, another actress commented something about how Jesus would never have said that. Well, she obviously hasn't read her Bible because he would have said that. You know, traditional marriage, a man and a woman is the way God designed us to live. So I was really proud of her. You know, she's really taken the heat. But anybody who's willing to say that out loud is going to know that they're going to be attacked. It's so amazing to see that out in the open and how twisted it is and how much people hate the Lord and how much they hate his word. And I hate the accountability. So she's taking the heat. I'm going to find her movies and watch them. Our righteousness, our goodness tends to be emotional, right? It's about what feels good. I'm sure for this little gal, it didn't feel good to be ripped apart. It's the right thing to do to stand for what God says and stand up as a believer for what's right. It doesn't mean that we're not afraid, but we have to have courage. Courage means being brave in spite of being afraid. I don't want to be ripped apart, <laughs> you know? None of us do. But who do we love more? Our goodness can be morally depraved without that foundation, that measuring stick, anything goes. It can shift, right? We're so proud of ourselves as we evolve as a people, right? Well, now, you know, a family isn't just a husband and wife. It could be two men, two women, you know, and the way they're doing the legislation, pretty soon it's going to be anything goes. You know, polygamy has a door open there now. There's a lot of things that will be really, really harmful for children. Who's looking out for the kids? Who's looking out for the children? God says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that goes for his word as well. God's word doesn't evolve. It's not old-fashioned. He designed us. He created us. He is good. His creation is good. His plan is good. Can we stand on that? Yes, we can. We can be deceived, right? Like Eve in the garden. I have um, six children, and my youngest daughter uh, went to a Christian university, a very well thought of one, kind of up there with Hillsdale. They're kind of thought of as, as a think tank. It's supposed to be like a really great um, education, but my daughter will even admit to you that she's more liberal than the rest of us because she went, you know, it's just really, really hard, you know, to be separated in, into that culture with all the kids and everything and not come away with some of the little side note, just be really diligent in training our children and teaching them the truth. And I felt like I was, and she's, she's kind of on her way back. <laughs> she's kind of, you know, and part of that's just being young, you know, um, but it was interesting that she admitted that. Was so, so anyway, um, the next thing is idols. You know, um, we get away from thinking of God as number one. We also get away from thinking as of character as king. It used to be really important to people that they had character. That was like the most important thing that you could teach your, your sons and your daughters was people of character. And now it doesn't seem to matter. It's just not a lot of accountability. You know, and you guys have heard like in the, in the universities, when someone comes on campus, it might be teaching something that's, um, that someone sees as offensive. They have these rooms where you can go hide so you don't have to hear anything about it. Like, oh my gosh, what are we doing to these kids? Teach them to think. And then our goodness is empty. It's like the shaft of wheat. What, what is the shaft? It's that little outside hole of the, of the wheat and you, it comes off and it just blows away. So our goodness is, is empty. So the pull of the world is pretty hard, isn't it? It's pretty, it's pretty intense. We have to really know the word, really know our God to be able to stay on the good path. You know, a lot of times our ladies go away for a week or a two or a month or a year and for a season, for whatever reason, and many of them come back. And when they walk in the door, without fail, oh, I'm so glad to be here. I needed this so badly. That's what we do for each other with the word. We remind each other where the word lives in our home and in our hearts. 
I just love that. I felt the same way. I had been away for some years when um, raising kids and homeschooling and all that. And I thought one day, I thought, I'm going to look in the, you know, on the web and see if they're still there. And they were still here. So I came over and there was just a few little ladies left in a little pocket. And um, but I, I just, when I opened that up and I saw that, I cried. I was like, you know, it just kind of came flooding back all the things I had learned and what an impact that had on my marriage and my family. So this, our struggle is real. You know, we want, as, it, as Paul says in Romans 7, we want to do what's right. We have this struggle. It's like, if I really want it, I almost can't get it. You know, it just, it's just this inner struggle between God's good and, my, and what I want. As Christian women, we are called to reflect his goodness as Christians. And that means staying connected to him. You guys know the routine, his word. It's not an option to be in his word every day to pray. Don't stop praying, ladies. Even if you're hurting really bad, don't hold your breath. I've, I have had to, I have a tendency to do that. If I'm really concerned about something, just kind of bear it, you know. But God, God wants our prayers. He tells us to pray without ceasing. Give him our concerns. He wants us to trust and obey him. Obedience isn't a choice as a Christian. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He doesn't want us to just give us give him what we want to give him. He wants our obedience in his word. Be watered by his word. And Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word is hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Don't you love Psalm 119? It's a long one. Don't, don't avoid it because it's long. <laughs> it's good. It says, How can a young man cleanse his way? I take heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Statutes With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all your riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. His word is crucial, ladies. Galatians 6.10 tells us to take every opportunity to do good. Every opportunity to do good. And in Acts 26.20, it says that we should be doing works fitting of repentance. Do you think that people should see a difference from before we were believers and after? Should they see a change? What will they see a change in? Our heart, our thoughts, our priorities, what we talk about what we do, it should be a radical change for and after we're believers. And some people talk about becoming uh, believers as little kids. Maybe you don't see such a big difference, right? Because you have been walking with them all the way. But I know for myself, I was 17. It was a radical, radical difference. My entire thought process. I had never even heard the word before. God got in there and did a lot of rotor rooting. It's a lot to get done. Works fitting of repentance. Our work should reflect who we belong to. Let's talk about a little bit as our roles as women, what, the, what being good would look like, doing good works in his name. Now, whenever we talk about um, being a wife and we talk about um, being married or not married and children, um, we always just like to remind ladies that, um, you know, we're talking about where you are right now. We don't hold judgment over anybody. There might be things in your past that you become convicted of that it wasn't the right thing. It's okay. We're here to love on you. Um, we've had ladies married two, three, four times. I mean, you know, we've, we've had ladies who've experienced um, abuse, uh, abortion, everything. 
but we're here for each other. And we all we have is today and to mark forward. We don't need to live in the past. We don't need to live in shame. We need to um, meet, God meets us where we're at. Okay? So all that to say. In uh, Genesis, um, when God was creating Adam, and Adam was naming the animals, uh, God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. You need a helper. You need a help me. And so it is good to be a man's help. It is good to be married and to have a husband that you love. And if you don't feel like you love him, you love him anyway. You learn to love him. You learn to respect him. You learn to be a good wife. Make it your job. Make it your job. God says, I hate divorce, ladies. Divorce has horrible consequences. Again, there are bad guys, but for 99 or maybe, I don't know, 95%, you know, it's just everyday stuff. You know, we get tired of trying to get along with somebody else. We get tired of the routine. We get tired of, you know, fighting whatever it is the demons each other has. But God tells us to keep on, keep on. He wants us to be together as husband and wife. That is our good work. We're to serve our husbands because we serve the Lord, because that's what he's asked us to do. Does anybody have a perfect husband? My guy's pretty close. He's a big guy. But boy, I can sure get mad at him. He can sure rub me the wrong way. But what am I called to do? I'm called to respect him. Does it matter if he deserves a respect? Respect is a, is a place. It holds his place as leader of our family. To understand him, to admire him, to build him up. You're like, how come I have to do all the work? I don't know. Ask God. He has a pretty big job, too. Bigger than ours. He's to provide, protect. We are a priest. That means our spiritual leader of our family. And maybe we don't like the way he does it doesn't matter he's still been given that position and he's still responsible to god you know what he's not responsible to me and your guy's not responsible to you he's responsible to god which should make him do an even better job because my understanding of things is limited my big picture is not it's not that great but god's is one of our gals um a couple weeks ago she brought me a book she goes jennifer you have to read this but I was in between teaching and I was, I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. And she goes, don't you see? I'm never, and so I was trying to say, I don't know if she's watching this morning or not, but I was trying to discern this book she had brought to me, but she, her little detector had gone off. It was a Christian woman who'd written this book and she was telling, she was basically telling her own story. But in that other women were thinking it should be everybody's story. But this woman had had a rough upbringing and had been abused and stuff. And her husband was exceptionally, he came her way a lot. He quit what he did in order to support her. And he, um, so she was kind of teaching that that was the right kind of husband that would give everything to his wife to the extent that he would step out of what was important to him. So he, this guy had left his job and, you know, it's like, you know, that might be their story and it might work out well for them. But that's not what God calls us to do. You know, um, we are to be our husband's helpmate. We are to be his neck and his support. It is not his job to make me happy. It is not his job to give, to be my best friend, though he, he probably is. It's awesome if he is. But his job, his, his bottom line job is to show his love for God by providing for us. The best way he shows you he loves you, ladies, is going to work every day. That's how he loves you. That's how he supports you. So don't ever get it in your head, no matter what somebody else says, that it's all about him pleasing you. It's hard to be a servant, though, isn't it? In some way, in, in his way, he has to serve us. And in our way, we have to serve him. It's not, one job is not less than the other. We are equal before God, but with different functions. You know, I, I hope 
that as a result of Christown and in your ever widening circle, that you are able to show your children and your grandchildren that marriage is a good thing. Either by example, or if you're not married, by words or encouragement. You know, as a grandmother, I can tell my granddaughter how wonderful her daddy is. I could encourage her that one day, you know, it'd be great if she could find a man like that, point out the good things in him, encourage her that it's wonderful to have children, not act like it's the worst thing I've ever had to go through in my entire life. You know, I'm exhausted. You kids just exhaust me. You know, think about what you're doing, ladies, when you're talking to your children. It is an extreme, extremely important job to train them to understand that marriage is God's design because they're not going to hear it all our places anymore right? They're not going to hear it at school. They're not going to hear it with their peers or on all their social media. It's up to us to train them. It is a good thing. And that is how the world goes on, ladies. And that is how Christian culture is. God has designed it to propagate. Get married, he says. Have children, he says. Populate the earth, he says. That is not a mindless job. That is not eating bonbons on the couch and watching soap operas. It is a full-time thing. It's a good work. Being a mom is a good work. So a good mom is thoughtful. She's wise. Wisdom does not come from a hard heart. Wisdom comes from here. Be really careful not to convince yourself it's okay not to have quiet time and not spend time in the word because you have a baby. It may be less than, you know. I certainly didn't have time to put together these lessons when my children were little. But don't, ne- no, don't neglect the Lord. Find something that you can do each day. Read a proverb a day. You can do that. Trade that social media for something else that's worthwhile. Gain that wisdom. She's hardworking. It talks about all along the way as you rise up, and all along the way, and when you lie down, always, always thinking, always, always training and disciplining. Discipline's a hard thing, isn't it? It's a hard thing to do. It takes, takes a lot of thought and just a little note on discipline. Make sure that you agree with your husband, your daddy, when you are disciplining your child. It's better that you have a united front than, the, than that that child knows that he can work out against each other. Even if you have to compromise a little bit, and maybe if he doesn't want to be as hard as you are, or the other way around. Compromise. Trust him. Trust your husband. He loves that kid, too. Maybe he sees things you don't, especially with the boys. Well, the girls, too. I don't know. <laughs> all of them, both of them. Being a mom just takes lots of time. So take heart. That's just the way it is. And how about our friends? How important are our friends in producing good works? It's important to have good friends that encourage us in the right way. It's important to be a good friend. Be willing to sit, invest, listen, help, discuss, encourage. Choose your friends wisely. Always have a friend that you feel a little ahead of you in the spiritual game. <laughs> you know, they know they have a little wisdom on you. Sometimes that's somebody who's physically older and who's a lot of life experience. Sometimes it's somebody who's been who's known the Lord long or had more opportunity to be in this world. Be sure you lean in. So God is good, once good works from us. But the problem with good is sometimes we doubt. The enemy of good is doubt. We, got, we doubt God's goodness. We doubt God's will. God's ability to do good is not limited by our understanding, right? Think about the, the story of Joseph back in Genesis. Joseph is younger brother of many brothers, and he's a little spoiled rotten, and the dad favors him. So the other brothers throw him in a pit, 
and then they sell him into slavery. And that's Joseph. And then Joseph ends up going through all kinds of things, accused of adultery with the king's wife and then thrown into prison. But God redeems all that for good, right? All that comes around where Joseph ends up being able to help the whole country in a family. And that's the kind of story we can see, hey, there's something that went really wrong and yet God used it for really good. But we don't always get hindsight. That's a great story of hindsight, isn't it? It's meant to encourage us, you know, that God has a plan. God tells us in Romans 5, 8, you know, uh, God works all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. He's going to work it together for good, whether we see it or not. Us seeing it isn't a prerequisite for trusting. That's what faith is for. Just talk about doubt for a minute. Just kind of listen to your heart for a minute and see if any of these things uh, ring true with you. I think we all go through seasons of doubt, right? There's there's things that are hard. And you think, well, I just can't imagine how that, you know, Satan is the ruler of this world, not God. So there are a lot of things that go on that are hard to understand, hard for us to reconcile. And it goes back to understanding who God is. God is good. And he it's, nothing comes to him by surprise. Sometimes it's just really hard, isn't it? Doubt makes us question God's word and his goodness. Another form of doubt would be discouragement. Discouragement focuses on self and problems, not God. Oh, Lord, I just don't know how you're letting me go through this. It's about, it becomes about me when I'm discouraged. And don't be disheartened if you find that you're in one of these little categories. You know, God's, how do you, how do you, we're going to talk at our tables about encouraging each other. How do you get out of those places? And what has helped you to get out of a time of doubt? It can be kind of scary if it doesn't if it doesn't reconcile quickly. I think no matter how we feel about it, we can't a lot rely on the emotion of doubt and discouragement. We have to rely on God's word and we continue to feed ourselves and do what he's asked us to do. Trust him and obey him. Diversion can get us on a doubtful path. It makes wrong things seem more attractive than the good things. Diversion, something that takes our eyes off the Lord and how good he is or the word of God and how true it is. Feeling of defeat makes you feel like you can't succeed. Always, you know, who wants you to give up? Is it God? No, Satan wants us to give up. He is the master of defeat and delaying. It makes us um, want to put off things. You know, if you're ever convicted of something, especially like in a relationship, you feel like, oh, I should really apologize to that person. I wish you really ask forgiveness. What happens as time goes on if you don't take care of that? You forget about it and that conviction, that's, you know, kind of dwindles. Don't delay when, when you feel conviction. One thing, I've been reading this little book, Debbie Pearl, by Debbie Pearl, Created to Be His Help Me. And I found it to be, I read it when I was younger and I didn't appreciate it. I really had a good time with it this time. But she's, uh, the whole book is a, is a Titus II book about loving your husband. She's very strong in her um, illustrations and in her belief in God and in his word and the place of men and women. And so she's talking here about doubting what our place is as a woman. And she says, men struggle with fleshly imaginations. So, you know, we know how a man is turned on by sight and, you know, is maybe tempted to look at things. But women give ourselves over to emotional imaginations. Isn't that true? We've talked about that. All the all things, all the scenarios that go on in my head. Well, if he really loved me or, you know, he can't possibly care about me. Or we, we build up these huge cases in our imaginations. Um, we can create a world of hurt for ourselves and those around us. And then she talks about how the serpent is so subtle and he gets in there and, he, and we ruminate on this stuff. 
He says, Eve was deceived through her runaway imaginations. The root of her sin was doubting God's will, God's goodwill toward her. Isn't that the truth? Eve today has many sisters. We still doubt the one in authority over us and imagine that he does not intend good for us. How can it be good to be picking underwear up off the floor? How can it be good for you in 10 loads of laundry and feeding all these mouths and the amount of work I have to do? Like Eve, we imagine that we can disobey the authority of God's word and of our husband's word because we imagine that we have a higher purpose to be more spiritual. We women have a real tendency to think that we know a lot more and that we're a lot more spiritual. And all those things can cause us to doubt God's word and his goodness. I thought that was just excellent. I'm going to close with this, this little, um, it's kind of a prayer. I've shared this book with you before. Prodigals and those who love them. It's got some great uh, little stories and verses. Uh, Ruth Graham Bell put this together. It's really precious little. Um, so if you have someone who's struggling in your life, you will find much encouragement here. But this is a prayer. Um, and it's God speaking. He says, can you trust me, child? Can you trust me, child? Not only for ultimate eternity, of which you know next to nothing, and are not tempted to meddle, but for the span of your life between now and then, where you envision decline and separations and failures, impairments, pain, bereavements, disappointments. Do you find me qualified to be Lord of your last days? Oh, yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes, and amen. Can you trust me, child? Not only to synchronize the unthinkable intricacies of creation, but to work together for good, the gravities and tugs within your little orbit, where your heart is pulled by needs and lacks you wish but are destitute to fill. Do you find my resources adequate to feed both the sparrows and you? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, and amen. Can you trust me, child, not only for the oversight of nations and creations, not of this world, but for those beloved ones I committed to you and you committed to me? Do you believe me trustworthy to perform the good work begun in them until the day of Jesus Christ? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. No, precious. So to, to wrap up, are we good enough? No. Is God good enough? Yes. God is good. God is good. And amen. Amen.